everybody. <laughs> uh, I was running a little behind this morning, toddlers. So uh, I was asked to share my testimony and to do it, you know, in a full way to explain why I am the way I am now and, you know, to truly explain why I'm different now. And so to tell you the full story as fast as I can, um, when I was 16, I was a youth at White Mills Christian, and we went to a summer mission trip every summer, and it was called No Sweat. And it was more or less like we, an outreach program like what we do with In As Much. And we would go out, fix up places, and help, help elderly, help with food. I mean, everything you could think of. And on evenings, we would come back, and there was a, a worship time with a band and everything. And I remember the sermon that got talked about and the reason why I made the decision. The sermon was they were talking about how the world has made the upside down cross an image of evil when in all actuality it's really not it's an image of the fact that we are not as good as Jesus because Peter did not feel that he needed to be crucified the same way as Jesus I'll never forget that sermon because I've never heard anything like that before and it just it resonated with me and the fact that I knew I was not good enough to be like Jesus. Therefore, I knew I needed to have Jesus in my life. And that night was the night that I decided to give my life to Christ. Now, as most teenagers come back home from the summer camp or the, you know, the mission trip, everything, you get back in school, you get back with your friends that you probably shouldn't be with, you know, this things happen and I didn't necessarily live for Christ. I had given my life to Christ, but I was not living for Christ. And I was making a lot of bad decisions for a really long time. And then I met my wife. Um, we were looking for a church to get married at. Um, and when the pastor that we had lined up was not in good enough health to do so, we asked Josh to marry us. And that's when Josh was like, that's fine, but we're going to do pre-marriage counseling. I had no idea what that was, scared to death. So we come, and uh, I noticed the more and more that I learned what a godly husband was, the more and more I realized how far off I had been from being a saved Christian. You know, I was doing all of these horrible things from, you know, graduation all the way up until I almost got married. and. I don't want to just say that, well, when I found the Lord, I, I changed my ways. I wanted to change my ways. Because as a Christian, what good is our faith if we do not live our faith? What, what difference does it show? If, if you claim to be a Christian and you're just going out and living the regular sinful life that you were living, then what does that show anyone? Why would they want to follow Jesus? Why would your life be different? So... I was saved at 16, but I got my act together right before I got married. And ever since, I really pushed myself very hard to be a godly man, a godly husband, and a godly father. So thank you all for letting me share, and let's continue to worship.
Thank you, Josh. Stories have a powerful impact on people, which is why testimonies are something that I think we need to hear, and I think it's something we need to share. Because when we tell our story, people listen, and people are affected by it, and people, people notice how, how God is moving in our lives. For the most part, all of us love to share stories. I imagine if we would think about some of our favorite times with friends or with family, those happy memories that you have with your, your relatives or maybe with your closest group of friends, it is often revolving around stories. You're either creating stories as you go off to, to do fun things and to go on adventures, or you're sharing stories, maybe around a, a dining room table or a living room or even a campfire. We are people who gather together, we laugh, we encourage one another, and we tell stories. But as we have just seen from Josh's example, stories can do another thing. Something that often we forget, or maybe we're just too timid to take advantage of, and that is this, stories help us share Christ. Often some of the most powerful messages, some of the most powerful witness opportunities, even in Scripture, some of the most meaningful passages that we read are stories. In our passage today, we pick up in the book of Acts and in a, a, a time in the book of Acts where Stephen has been martyred and he is the, the first martyr. And this persecution has come against the, the early church and, and so much so that the people have been scattered. And, and what was this church that was almost completely um, in Jerusalem suddenly has to go out to all these different places because it, if they stay, they will be imprisoned or even killed. In the midst of this persecution, we meet a man named Philip. Now, Philip is not an apostle. He is not a, what we would maybe even consider today, that professional pastor, religious person. In fact, Philip, by our standards and by our titles today, Philip was a deacon. He was a servant, a table waiter within the church. But Philip goes forth during the persecution, and he has an encounter. And in that encounter, he shares his story. And we get to see the gospel go forth. Turn with me your Bibles back again to Acts chapter 8. Hopefully you're still there. And we're going to be reading the same passage in which our previous passage uh, was referenced, and believe it or not, that wasn't on purpose. That was just God doing God's thing, God's way. But we're going to read Acts chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 25 and read through verse 40. And if you are able, please stand once again for the reading of God's Word. The Word of God says this. So when they had solemnly testified... Wait a second. Yeah, that's right. When they had solemnly testified... And spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samarians. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south on the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her treasure. 
and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning, and sitting in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, Well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which was being read was this. He was led up as a sheep to slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate this generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, from whom does the prophet say this? Is it of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning from Scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but he went away rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Please be seated. What a tremendous story that we get from Scripture today as we see the gospel go forth. And we may want to ask ourselves, in the midst of our, our preparation to get the gospel to every home, we want to know, how does this passage help us tell our story to the lost people in our lives? We have this fantastic account where, where seemingly fantastic things happen, but, but what does this mean for us? How does this get us ready to share our faith? How does this prepare us to tell our story? And so today I would like to present you three takeaways that we can get from this passage. First, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Notice how Philip is being guided by the Holy Spirit through the entire event. First, we see in verse 26 that an angel of the Lord told him where to go. That this messenger from God tells him, you're going to go down this road, down the desert road, down to Gaza, head south. Even though Peter and, and John and the other people that had been with him in these Samarian cities, they went back a different way to go to Jerusalem. But take particular note of verses 29 and 30. As he's on the road, as he approaches, sees the caravan, it says that the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join the chariot. And Philip ran up. Now, we spend a lot of time in our church talking strategies and initiatives. We have our prayer commitment. We have our extra training. We talk about making commitments like who's your one to, to share with a certain people. And all of these things have value and all of these things are important. But none of these come close to being aware of how the Holy Spirit is guiding you to share your, um, share your faith with other people in your life. 
I'll be honest with you. We can give you all the strategies and all the evangelism techniques. We can go Roman road, four points, steps to peace with God, three circles, the great news. We can use all those things and you can memorize all those things. But if you are not going to allow yourself to be aware of the Holy Spirit prompting you to share the gospel, odds are in your flesh, you just won't share. And I have no doubt that, that, that we have, have people in the church, in this church, in other churches that could give you just about every way and have gone to just about every training, but they will not allow their heart to be receptive to the Holy Spirit to a point that they will share their faith. Guys, we need to be Spirit-led people and allow God to move us through the Spirit who dwells inside of us. Now, I'll be honest with you. I can't teach you that. That's not how it works. It is a matter of us going to the Lord and surrendering our hearts so fully that the Spirit will move on our behalves. However, I do want you to notice something about this passage. The Holy Spirit says, go, and Philip runs. There is no hesitation. That. Think about that for just a second. Look again at verses 29 and 30. It says, the spirit, the spirit said to Philip, go up and join the chariot. And Philip ran up. That's, that's all we got. The spirit said, go. And Philip got up and went. He done got gone and went right up to that place. I think a lot of times we in the church tend to walk very hesitantly when it comes to the promptings of the Spirit. When God is moving us to do something, we don't get up and go. We don't run to do what God is telling us to do. Instead, what we do when we are prompted by the Spirit to share our faith with people, we start looking for every other sign under the sun that might tell us not to act. When we're having that meaningful conversation with somebody and we realize that, that the answer to what is plaguing them and what is testing them and what is ailing them is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we think, man, I should probably share Christ with this person, then we start looking for Jesus to like write yes in the sky. And we start looking for like two birds to fly together in a way that like forms a cross and that we would know that Jesus is telling us to do it. We want, we want signs and wonders for us to have the reason to actually share. And if we don't get those, then we're like, ah, that I, I probably, it probably wasn't the right time. It's like we, when the spirit prompts us, we want God to give us every excuse not to share and not just be faithful to the call to share. It is funny how we are so hesitant when we think the Spirit might be prompting us to go, and yet we see so quick to accept when we think, Jesus, when we think the Spirit is telling us to wait. Guys, it should be the other way around. When the Spirit said go, Philip ran. And when the Spirit says to us, go, share, bring Jesus into the conversation, sacrifice whatever you need to sacrifice so people know about Jesus. When we feel Jesus prompting us, when we feel the Holy Spirit prompting us to that, we should go. When we're talking to someone and they're telling us about what's going on in their life and just how frustrated and depressed and, and, and overwhelmed they are, we should say, you know, that reminds me of something that Jesus said. 
When we are talking to our friend and they are, are, are down on their luck and they're having bad times or you're just, your heart is going out for them, you say, you know what? I haven't been through that exact same thing, but I've been through similar things. And let me show you how it, what helps me to understand that. And we go to the three circles. We should be quick to share Christ with people. We should be quick to be obedient to God's prompting. In fact, I would challenge you today, be as quick to when Jesus said, or excuse me, to be as quick as to when the Holy Spirit says go as you are to when you think the Holy Spirit's saying wait. And you may be surprised by the outcome. I was reminded of what Paul said to Timothy in his second letter. 2 Timothy, 10, 2 Timothy 1 7 says this For God has not given us a spirit of timidity. We act like we have. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of discipline. And we believe that statement, right? And yet so often we act like the Spirit's going, ooh, I don't know, maybe, uh, yeah. it's like a game of red light, green light, isn't it? Like, we're, we're, should I share my faith? Uh, green light, red light. Green light, red light. Red light, red light, red light. When that's not what the Spirit does. The Spirit says, go. God tells us, have I not told you, be strong and courageous. The Spirit is in us, echoing the words over and over again. But you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Our hearts should be prompted to go and be a witness, not wait for whatever the perfect time may be. Let us throw away our excuses and run like Philip to the people in our lives that desperately need to hear our story and desperately need to meet our Savior. Second takeaway from this passage, tell them about Jesus. Now that may seem a little simple, and yet that's exactly what we need to do. Just a few minutes ago, Josh told you how Jesus made an impact on his life. And, and what we see from Josh's story is Jesus made an impact on his life, not just once, but twice. How there was the first time where, where the gospel went forth and he heard it and it hit him in his heart. Somebody shared Jesus with Josh. And when someone shared Jesus with Josh, that stirred up his heart to make a decision. But then in the, the least likeliest of times, when he was far away from, his God, from God, when his wife would, didn't even know God, because they wanted a church wedding, suddenly they got stuck with somebody who, guess what? We talked about Jesus, didn't we? And God moved in his heart a second time to be the man that you know today. When we talk about telling our story, we are not really the main characters in our story, are we? Jesus is. And so when we share our story, we're not sharing our story of what we've done. We are sharing the story of what Christ has done in us and through us. When Philip got in that chariot, he heard a man reading out loud from the prophet Isaiah. 
this passage became that bridge for Philip to take this man to Jesus. We hear from Josh's own story that a preacher used something that they would have seen in in popular culture at the time to take him to Jesus. Later, it used that very uh, institution and the act of marriage to bring Jesus back into the conversation. For Philip, it was the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked him if he understood what he was reading. And when he said that, that he did not, that he had no idea what he was talking about, or was he talking about himself or someone else, he used it as a bridge to share Jesus with the man. And I want you to understand this. It wasn't just that he got up and preached the gospel like we, we would have. Philip was an eyewitness of these things. We're not talking about 30 years down the road. We're talking about months and, and maybe a year down the road. Philip was there. And so when he was telling this Ethiopian eunuch about Jesus, he was telling him what he had seen and what he had experienced. We have to ask ourselves, what are our bridges to the gospel with our loved ones? How is it that you bring Jesus into the conversation with your friends and with your family and with your coworkers? For some of you, the easiest thing is church. You are here now or you are watching online. And because you are here now or you are watching online, you have this automatic built-in thing where you can say, that reminds me of something that happened in church. Or, where were you yesterday? I had church yesterday morning. Or after I went to church, I went and ate somewhere. And that brings automatically church and Jesus into the conversation. For other of you, there are going to be stories in the Bible that relate to your friends. You can say, you know, I haven't been through that. No, I hear what you're saying. And that reminds me of this guy named Jonah. And he had one heck of a fish story. You're welcome. Or maybe it's just the change that people see in your life. I remember when, much like Josh, There came a point in my young adult life where I realized I was not who I wanted to be and not living how I wanted to live. And I was a Christian and I was a follower of Jesus, but but I didn't much look like one. And God got a hold of me and he, he flipped me upside down. And I started living for the Lord and I started serving for the Lord. And one of the first things that God made abundantly clear to me is I didn't know nearly as much Bible as I thought I did. And so I used to go to a place where I used to go with friends to get rowdy. It was a restaurant in our hometown. And instead of going there to to hang out with friends and get rowdy, I would go there and I would take a corner booth and I would order something to eat, whether it's just a plate of French fries or, or something else from this restaurant. And I would get a soda and I would sit there for about an hour to an hour and a half every Wednesday night. And I would get into the word of God. And it was me, my, my NIV life application Bible and a legal pad, a notebook. And I went through the the book of James. And as I read the book of James, I would read it. I would read the notes that the Life Application Bible had with it. I would write down my own thoughts and just page after page of kind of my own little naive commentary of what I thought James was saying. And in the midst of all this, I had a girl that I was friends with, at one point maybe a little infatuated with, come up to me and she said, what's happened to you? And I stopped and I said, what do you mean? And she said, you know, I've known you a long time and I've known 
you and your friends and, and how you, you guys usually were when you came here and ate and, and all that type of stuff. And you're not like that anymore. What happened? And I got to share Jesus with her. And I got to share what God had done in my life and, and, and how I was not that same person anymore and that my priorities had changed and my, my passions had changed. Sometimes all it is is people see a transformed life and they want to know how. Whatever your bridge might be, maybe it's sports, maybe it's, it's being a parent and, and maybe it's being a coach on a little league team or a, a parent of a traveling, a traveling athlete. Who knows what it might be, but God will open doors to you in, in several different ways. He will build bridges. He will open doors. And I beseech you, I beg you, please take it. Don't look for the excuse not to share Christ with people. Look for the opportunity to do so. Run through that door, run across that bridge, just like Philip did here, and get those people to Jesus. Not Tunnel Hill Baptist Church, not the Baptist faith and message, not even youth group or, or some home Bible study. Get those people to do, to get those people to Jesus. We have many wonderful talks with friends and family. We have so many times that we gather around dinner tables, campfires, who knows what else. And we talk about all sorts of great and fun things. But I beg you, in the midst of those dining room conversations, in the midst of those times around the campfire, in the midst of those, those, those talks in the college dorm, in the commons area, talk about Jesus. Bring Christ into the conversation. And give people the evidence of the hope that is within you. We implore you to get Jesus into the conversation because of what we hear from Peter and John in Acts chapter 4. When they said there is salvation in no one else. You've heard this a lot, by the way, and there's a reason for that. For there is no other name under heaven that is given among men by which we must be saved. Brothers and sisters, the fishing report down on No Lynn will not save your friends. The gains that you have earned by exercising and lifting weights will not get your friends into heaven. The youth group at Tunnel Hill will not get your friends into heaven, though that's better than the gains at the weightlifting. Even Camp Schaefer will not get your friends and family into heaven. But Jesus will. And a relationship with Jesus will. And so like Philip, we've got to get people to Jesus. Lastly, the third takeaway from this passage today is give them a chance to respond. I've heard it said that, that you have not presented the gospel until you have given a person a chance to respond to the gospel. And we see that in our passage, picking up again in verse 35, it says, Philip opened his mouth and he began from the scriptures and he preached Jesus to him. And as they went along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Verse 37 says, Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, then you may. 
And he answered and he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. There is no question that after Philip made the gospel known to this eunuch, that, that he gave him a chance to repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If anything, we see his response in the request to be baptized. He heard the good news. He probably even got to the point where, that, where I, have, I believe that Philip probably even flat out told him what the Great Commission said. And he said, we are doing what we're doing. I am here today because Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, a very relevant thing to an Ethiopian eunuch, to all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. He probably gave those, maybe even those exact words to this Ethiopian eunuch. And when that happened, and by some divine appointment, the eunuch looks up and, and on the road that by and the way is called the desert road, they come, into a, they come up to a body of water. Enough of a body of water that it says that they went down into it and that he baptized him and then he came up out of it. And he said, look, water. What keeps me from being baptized? He responded to the gospel. The eunuch heard the gospel. He believed the gospel. And he responded to the gospel. If you would, would you bring up the three circles, Laney? What we see in our passage, and when we do our, our gospel presentation, we see something very similar to what we saw from the Ethiopian eunuch. And as we look up to this, remember, this is how we are, are, are working. This is something that I hope you have got ingrained into your heart by now that you could share it as need be. We talk about how God has a design that his ways are perfect and, and that he made you with a purpose and on purpose and that God's design is something that if we stay in God's design, then we will experience his blessings and the fullness of relation with him, but we don't. And we leave God's design and that's called sin. And sin leads us to a place of brokenness. And we see, and we've talked about it in Sunday school class this morning when we talked about the Samaritan woman and we try to, to fill our brokenness with all these things. The, the Samaritan woman in our Sunday school lesson today tried to fill her brokenness with men. But she was still broken. And so Jesus presented the gospel to her just like Philip presented the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch. And that gospel is this, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, and that He lived a perfect life, that He died on the cross for their sins, which is exactly what the Ethiopian eunuch was reading about, and that He rose from the grave three days later. And we read from Scripture that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. We understand that as to believe and repent. We see that in our passage today as the Ethiopian eunuch says, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He believed and he made Jesus Christ the Lord of his life and he was able to leave his brokenness and believe in the gospel and begin to recover and pursue God's design for his life. Now, Philip gave him an opportunity to respond. And, and it, what's interesting is, is it was the eunuch himself, this Ethiopian, he said the same thing that we would say with this. 
If I had presented this to you today, and maybe you are here today and you need this presented to you today, and that's great, I'm glad you're here, I would ask you the question, where do you see yourself on this, on this circle, on this, this picture? And odds are you're not going to believe, you're not going to say, well, I'm still walking perfectly in God's design because hopefully you know yourself better than that. And you say, but I haven't believed the gospel yet, so I can't be there. Well, that must mean that I'm still in a place of brokenness. And you probably feel that. You sense that. I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm not right. And I know that, that my relationship with God has been messed up and has been affected by my sin and my brokenness. And then I would ask you the same thing that, that the Ethiopian eunuch asked Philip, and I'd say, what is preventing you? What's stopping you? What is preventing you from making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? What is preventing you from repenting and believing the gospel of Jesus Christ? The Ethiopian eunuch asks, what is preventing me from being baptized? And the answer for him, hopefully, is the same answer that you would have on your lips, which is nothing. Nothing is stopping me. I believe and I am willing to make, and I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. As we start sharing our story with friends, family, relatives, co workers, dorm mates, neighbors, whoever it might be, don't forget to give them a chance to respond. Romans 10, 13 says this well, and he says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When you share Christ, invite them to call on the name of the Lord. As we share the gospel with those in our lives, let us lead them to do the same thing. They may need help. And if you would like, we have little cards that have um, kind of three basic facts from Scripture, as well as a prayer to, to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. If you would like some of those cards, we can provide those for you. We will have those available. And you can put one of those in your pocket, and when you share Jesus with someone, they say, well, yeah, I'd like to make Jesus the Lord of my life. You can just pull out that card and read it right along with them or have them read it as you pray together. But lead them. to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we close our time together, the question that we have to ask is, who needs to hear your story? Who has God placed in your life so that they might hear the gospel through you? When you look at your friends, when you look at your coworkers, when you look at the people that you see regularly throughout your life, who are the people that you know that you think to yourself, I may be the only gospel witness in their life, or I may be the best gospel witness in their life. Or really, honestly, I may just be a gospel witness in their life. Who in your life desperately needs to hear about Jesus from you? Not from someone else, not from some hopeful person, not from me. They need to hear it from you. 
because they know you and they trust you and they'll listen to you. Will you follow the Spirit's lead? Well, when the Spirit says go, will you run? Will you share Jesus with these people? And will you lead them to respond? It would be a miss of me to not give you the same opportunity today. You have seen the, the three circles. You've kind of heard the gospel presentation today. And listen, if the gospel is true for the Ethiopian eunuch, it is true for you. And the truth of the gospel is that Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins. That your sins have earned you separation from God. If you remain in that way, it'll be eternal separation from God and you will face judgment. But if you would trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you would believe that he is in fact God in the flesh, who died on the cross from your sins and rose again three days later, you can be, you will, not you can, you will be saved from your sins. And if you will believe and repent on the Lord, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, repent from your sins, turning to him as your Lord and master, you will be saved. If God has put it on your heart to do that today, we would invite you to come forward. You don't have to come forward. Talk to someone else. Tell somebody in your life, someone that in this room, say, hey, I really feel like God is telling me to give my life to, to, to Jesus. Would you help me do that? And they will. But if you know that God's calling you to do that today and you are ready to give your life to Jesus right now, then I'm going to be standing right there. And I want to do what Philip did. And I want to lead you into relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's time for you to join in fellowship with this church, to become a member here. Maybe it's time to follow Christ's example in baptism. However, the Spirit is prompting you today, run. Don't hesitate. Don't sidestep. Don't look for some mistake in what I say as a reason to hesitate and to wait. However, the Spirit is prompting you today, run. Let us pray. Our gracious God and King, we thank you so much for your word. God, we praise you that you are our Savior. And God, that you not only are our Savior, but that you have given our lives meaning and purpose because you have called us to make other people followers of you as well. God, I pray that we will be a church faithful to that end. Lord, I pray that you would help us, that you would lead, guide, and direct our paths to, to share the gospel with people. Lord, I pray that we would be receptive to the Spirit and that we would not hesitate, but that we would run to those people that you have put in our lives so that they might hear the good news and respond in saving faith. Lord, if that means anyone in this room today needs to do that very thing, Lord, I pray that today is the day that they surrender their lives to Christ and that they, and that they walk with you. God, we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.